room night service is about more than just a church service. It's more than just attendance to an evening service. It's all about taking time to get in one accord and reset our attention wholeheartedly upon what matters most. Friends, I want you to think about this. When Jesus instituted communion, at that table communion, he simplified what tonight is all about when he sat around a dinner table with his disciples before he was crucified by saying this. He simply said this. You know what this is all about? Remember me. Remember me. What's, what I love about that is that in the original language, when he said, remember me, it meant to call to recollection. But here's what's interesting. It's recollecting something so that we can relive an experience. It's to go back to a place that maybe we've drawn distant from. And so, in essence, it's to relocate ourselves back to the place of a relationship experience with him. And, and, and so, why would Jesus do that? And I think it's obvious is because often in life, we forget what we should remember. And we remember what we should forget. We forget what we should remember. And we remember, friends, sometimes what we should forget. We forget that. And so the scriptures demonstrate that Jesus knew the hearts of men. He knew the intentions in our hearts. He knew what we were thinking. He knew what was on our hearts, on our minds. He knows the the. the, the uh, the motivations in our hearts. And it's why he told the first disciples to remember him, but it's also why the scriptures record it for us. You see, friends, when he said to his disciples, remember me, when he was calling them to go back to this place of experience, you got to keep in mind who he was talking to. He was talking to people who claimed to love him but would deny him. He was talking people to people who claimed to love him and did love him, but would betray him. He was talking to people who loved him, who followed him, but would run because of their fear of people. He was talking to people like you and me. In essence, he was talking to us. And so it's important for us to get back to this place where we remember our first love. I want to take you back to a portion of scripture. These are the words of Jesus inspired to the Apostle John. John was in his old age at this point. John was in an island called Patmos. And Jesus begins to speak to John to write these letters to the churches that were established in that day. And in Revelations chapter 2, starting at verse 1 through 7, Jesus addresses the first of many churches. And he says this, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write these, right, right. He says, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. 
What's interesting is that the stars that he's uh, alluding to are his churches. And he says, and he walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. And he says, I know your deeds. I know your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found them false. You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name. And you have not grown weary. Weary in doing this. He says, yet I hold this against you. I hold this one thing against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forgotten the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Consider how far you've gone from your first love is what he's saying. And he says, repent. He's not talking about an emotional experience. He's saying, turn around. Come back. Repent. And do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the, pra the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears... Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I would even just begin tonight by simply saying this. Do you have ears, do you have ears to hear what Jesus is saying to you and to me? Will you listen? Will you listen? Tonight I want to challenge you to ask God, God, what are you teaching me tonight? Like, take that personal. What are you really teaching me tonight? God, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, if you came on a Wednesday night, I'm pretty sure you didn't come here to see people. You came here seeking something. You came here needing something. You came here desiring something. And I can assure you that you did not come here with a desire for coffee. You did not come here with a desire to be just with people of like precious faith. That might play a part in it. You came here with a desire to encounter God. To consider what God might say to you. So put before the Lord, Lord, are you teaching me something tonight? Lord, are you pointing out error in my life? Got to be open to that. There's nothing wrong with God showing us where we're going wrong. Because you can't change what you're unaware of, right? So let's be open. God, are you showing me in a place where there's error? God, are you correcting me? Are you showing me a right way that I've been missing? And lastly, God, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to do? So Jesus was addressing the early churches. And what's interesting is that the Ephesian church in particular excelled in every regard. They excelled in size, but they also excelled in Christian example. This was a mega church in its day. In these days, it's estimated that the church of Ephesus was anywhere between 10 to 30,000 people that attended this church. It was a large, massive church. 
for all intents and purposes, in the eyes of many, this was the model church. And the Lord commended them. Jesus commends them for their perseverance. He commends them for doing what was right. He commends them for their stance on the, on the truth. If we consider what the scripture is telling us, they had sound doctrine. They, they, they understood the scriptures. They rightly divided them. They stood for what the scriptures stated. They stood against heretical advances of the day. People that were teaching false doctrines. They worked hard to advance the gospel. And if we just stopped there, we would go, that is a great church. But they fell short in what was most important, friends. They fell short in their love for Jesus. You know what this tells us? We could be doing all the good and right things. We can be doing those things. And we could lose love for Jesus. We could lose love for Jesus. The question is, how is this possible? How is this possible? And to understand that, we have to see the letter that Paul, in, in an excerpt from the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, to Timothy, who was a pastor of this church many years before. And we have to see what was going on in these beginnings when young Timothy was pastoring this church. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. So there was some stuff that was starting to go wacky. And he says, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. You know what this is talking about? This is talking about people that want to debate the Bible and everything. They know something about everything in the Bible. There's pushback. They have their own ideas. They have their own philosophies. And they're not grounded in the scriptures, but they want to contest and contend. They want to debate. They want to go back and forth. And everything relating to it. And the Apostle Paul says, such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work. It stops the work of God, he says, which is by faith. He says, the goal of this command, listen to this, the goal of this command is love. It's to, to teach you love. It's to get you back to the place of love. So they were deviating. He says, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. But then he says this, some have departed from these and have turned to meaning, meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they don't know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. So what was happening here? And how does that apply to this issue of remembering our first love? Well, friends, Paul's intent in this letter is very telling regarding the issues among them. Notice that he says the goal of this command is love. The goal of this command is love. 
And he goes on to say that some have departed from these and they've turned to meaningless talk. What this tells us, friends, is that while many of us can confidently declare our love for Christ, as they did, we must consider if our love is mere talk. we got to be honest with ourselves. Am I just talking about this? Right? We must consider if we live by a sincere faith. It's a genuine faith. It's not a faith that fluctuates. Listen, friend, if your circumstances determine whether you're strong in your faith or not, that's not sincere faith. Because faith that is genuine will be challenged. It will be tested. You may have your moments, but the reality is this, friends, that faith that is genuine is faith that's consistent. It's faith that will not fluctuate. Right? You may feel it, but you remain in faith. Right? And what this also demonstrates to us that we have to consider for our lives evidence the advancement of God's work. Are we really about this gospel? Are we really about advancing the kingdom? Are we really about being a credible witness? Are we really about a life that honors Christ and that puts our desires, our, our agendas, our hobbies, our whatever it is, above him? Right? And so there was a man named Peter whom many of you have heard of. If you haven't, I'll give you a little background on him. But Peter was the most outwardly devout disciple. This guy was the most devout disciple outwardly. But inwardly, there was a struggle. There was a struggle. You see, at that same table where Jesus said to Peter, among others, whom he knew would deny him. And in fact, the scripture tells us that he didn't just deny Jesus, he cursed him. He literally cursed Jesus because somebody kept pressing him about, no, I think you were actually with him. You were one of his followers. He cursed Jesus, the scripture says. And Jesus, knowing this, still loved him. And at that table, when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, right? Peter got up and said, I would never betray you. Not me, Jesus. Nope. In fact, I'll never leave you. I'm with you to come, come what may. I'm, I'm sticking by you. I would, never, I would never leave your side. Not me. And Jesus turns to him. And love speaks to, to, to Peter and, and reveals truth to, about his heart. He says to him, Peter, before this night is over, you will deny me three times. You will deny me. So he knew what, 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 what was really going on with Peter. But nonetheless, Peter denies Jesus and he wept bitterly after that. It wrecked him. So much so that Peter was kind of like... Lost in the sauce for a little bit. 
He was struggling. And one day he decides, hey, guys, I'm going to go fishing. I'm just going to go fishing. I just, I, can we just go fishing? You know, fishing was, it, it's familiar. You know, we, we, remember all those times we used to be on the water and just go fishing and just enjoy a day just casting some nets, you know, casting some lines and just, just fishing and talking or whatever that must have been like for them. But this was familiar ground to Peter before he knew Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus, the scripture says, shows up on the shore while they're out there. They're not catching anything. Right? Let me assure you something, friends. The further you go away from Jesus and your love for him, you grow cold. Whatever you think you're going to get there, it's going to come it's going to come back empty. That's what happened to these guys. They're fishing and they're catching nothing. And Jesus encounters them in a way that's familiar to them. He says, hey, friend, have you caught anything? They say, no, we haven't caught anything, he says. Cast your net on the other side. And they catch all these fish. And at that moment, the Bible says that Peter realizes that it was the Lord. He jumps into the water. And he swims all the way to the shore. And when he gets there, he finds fish and bread. Jesus literally prepared a meal for them. And Jesus is there. Let's pick up after this meal. John 21 verses 15 through 19 says, And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter, being the devout disciple, says, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He was hurt. He was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I find it interesting that Peter denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus brought him to a place where he affirmed his love to Jesus three times. He's restoring him, right? Goes on to say, and very truly I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Watch what Jesus is saying. He's not talking about when he was a younger man. Literally what the language denotes is this, when, when you knew less. When you, were, when you were mature, you, you, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted, Ben, when you are old, when you mature, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. In other words, he was foreshadowing that Peter would be crucified. History certifies this. And it says, then he said to him, 
follow me. Follow me. It's important to note that our Lord's intention here was to restore Peter to the place of love. And what we can learn from this, and so the question is, what can we learn from this about returning to a sincere love for Jesus? Friends, I think it's very important that we all lean into this. I think it's so important that we actually really dig into this and allow the scriptures to speak to our heart. To challenge what we think we know about our love for Jesus. To challenge our understanding and the notion that we hold to that we love Jesus. Like, we have to really look in our hearts and consider, do we really love Jesus? This isn't a condemnation, but there's some things that we have to look at to dig into that. I want to encourage you tonight by first saying to you that you were created as a human being, not a human doing. You were created as a human being, not a human doing. You know, the Ephesian church and Peter both suffered the same sickness. They excelled outwardly in the expression of their faith in Jesus through what they said and what they did. While inwardly they grew cold. They grew cold. It kind of looks like this. We start off so excited about Jesus. We start off so excited about learning about Jesus, being around Bible-loving people that love Jesus. We, we, we start off excited about being in a house where we're taught about the love of Jesus. We're excited about serving in the name of Jesus, we're excited about doing all these things and growing, and, and, and it's just exciting, and we, it, we, we're just, you know, like, we, we want to tell people about Jesus, but then all of a sudden, that kind of begins to fade away. Where we were once committed, now we're complacent. Where we were once serving, we're now stagnant. Where we once laid down priorities and everything, now we, anything, or even if it's just one thing, for the name of Jesus, for the development of people, for the establishing of his kingdom, it's unimportant. It's secondhand. We devote scraps to it. Can I ask you? Is that the love that Jesus deserves? Is that the devotion that Jesus deserves? I would say no. I think we all can agree on that. But you see, the reason why I wanted to bring up this point about we were created to be human beings, not human doings, is because love does not work by what we do. But if we're present, if we're attentive... And if we truly focus on being in relationship. Sometimes we confuse relationship with Jesus with what we do for Jesus. I give my tithe. I, I give an offering. I serve. I, I, I go to church. 
I read my Bible. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I, I share my faith. I pray. Those are things we do. But we just saw that the Ephesian church and even Peter himself, man, they excelled at outward acts of love. But their heart was distant from what they were doing. They were growing cold. Right? Now, I remember, you know, one, one of the memories that my kids have till this day is when we lived in the Bronx, we had blockbuster nights. Some of you don't even know what blockbuster is because you're too young. There used to be this thing called VHS tapes. Right? Some of you are like, I don't know what a VHS is. Maybe you remember DVDs. Right? Maybe you don't. Whatever. So you would go and you would rent a movie then. We would go and, and listen, we were nickel and diming it back then, right? We, we were just making it day by day. But Friday nights was Blockbuster night. And we would go to Blockbuster on, uh, uh, what was that? Uh, I, I, it was Fordham, no, yeah, Fordham Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would go to Fordham Road. We would go to Blockbuster. We would get movies, and we would buy the Blockbuster popcorn, and we would buy the candy. It was a whole experience, right? And we would buy everything, and we would go home, and, and I think we would, like, maybe buy some pizza or something or whatever it was, something simple. And we would sit down in our little studio apartment, the four of us, and we would watch movies. And it was like a whole ordeal, you know. It was like, you know, you pulled out your blankets, you know, you got comfortable, you turned down the lights, right? We weren't worried about the mice or anything. It's like nothing mattered but the moment. I guarantee you, my kids probably don't even remember what movies we watched. But I will tell you what we do remember. It was the love we had. It was the experience we shared. It was the, the intimacy, the fun, the laughs. And, and the reason why I bring that up is because what made these times memorable was that we were together. What you do for Jesus does not make relationship with him memorable. It's how we recollect. We go back to experiencing that love on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, 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 yeah, it's that. Listen to the heart of Jesus in Luke 13, 34. He's talking to the people of Israel, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and those who, and stones those who are sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. What he's saying is a mother hen occupies herself with her chicks to the extent that she's always going, come here, let, let, come, come back over here. Let me bring you back over here. Let me brood over you. In other words, let me cover you. Let me nurture you. Let me protect you. Let me give you safety. Let me love you. Let me embrace you. And Jesus says, 
I, I've been trying to gather you all this time, but you were not willing. You were not willing. See, it was a matter of the will. It was a matter of choice. It was a matter of distraction. And, and that's the heart of Jesus. Jesus wants you more than he wants what you can do, friend. I want you to notice that Jesus commissioned Peter to lead. Right? But before he commissioned Peter to lead, he commissioned Peter to love. Before he told Peter, Peter, go back and feed my sheep, the first thing that he addressed was Peter's need to love. And friends, before God commissions us to do anything for him, he commissions us to love him. Question. We got to answer for ourselves. Like really be honest with God and with yourself. Are you following the command first and foremost to love Jesus? To come to Jesus. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about your day-to-day life experience. Loving him, growing with him, learning from him, accepting correction from him. Taking time to listen to him, right? I don't have time to get into this, but I'll just point this out. Check this out on your own time. First Corinthians 13 talks about love, the attributes of God's love, and how that operates in our lives and how it operates towards our lives. But what's interesting is that the first three verses, the Holy Spirit reveals to us through the Apostle Paul that, man, you could be sacrificing yourself and and throwing yourself in a fire for the sake of others. You could, you could be speaking in tongues of, 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 of men and of angels. You, you could be doing great things and all these miraculous things. And, and he says, but you can do those things. But if you have not love, what you've done is nothing. You know what that tells us? You could be operating in the very gifts of the Spirit. You could be seeing great miracles flowing through your hands and God working in your life and have nothing. Because love is absent. Friend, do you love Jesus? Do you really love Jesus? Will you get back to the place of a love for Jesus? experiencing and walking in his love with him. The second point I want to leave you with here is that more is less if it lessens our love for Jesus. Yeah, Peter was an extremist in everything he did. Everything he did as he followed Jesus, he was an extremist. Listen, he was the one who said, can I walk on water? That, like, that's extreme. Man, Jesus, I want to walk on water. If that's you, then I want to walk on water with you. He was the one who went to the extreme that he had to defend Jesus by cutting somebody's ear off. 
Like he literally pulled out his sword and chopped the guy's ear off. And Jesus goes, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. Picked up his ear and put it back on and healed this guy's ear. He was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Just take me. Yeah, let's. God, yeah, I know what you're here for. Let's get this done. Uh, Peter, put away your sword. Like, you shouldn't have done that. Like, Peter was that extreme, right? Peter was an extremist. Peter was the one who had to stand up and say, I'll never deny you, Jesus. Never. I would never do that. I'll stay by your side. The Ephesian church, according to what we read, was comprised of extremists too. They were extreme in what they declared. They were extreme in what they did to withstand the advances against the church and the gospel. They were extreme in working hard to do good works. But Peter and the people at the church of Ephesus, while they went to great extremes to do more for Jesus, they really did. But their drive to do more for Jesus left them with less. And friends, the drive to do more often leaves us with less love for Jesus. Are you doing or being? Are you doing or being? 1 John 3.18 tells us something about this. It says, little children, let us not love in word or talk. But indeed, listen to this. And in truth, true love, true love, true love, and every act done because of love, because of love. We say that to our, to our volunteers here and, you know, staff here, like what we do is because we love Jesus. We are not trying to grow a congregation here. That's not what this is about. We don't serve in this community because we just want to love on people. No, because we love Jesus. We, we serve, we give, we, 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 we strive to do things in excellence. We, we go above and beyond to, to, to put this gospel forward in many different ways. We get involved in this community. We we love one another as a congregation, as people. We serve each other and serve others because we love Jesus. When you get a call from a staff member here, listen, we love you, but we love Jesus more. Yeah, like it's because we love Jesus. And because whom Jesus loves, we will love. That's the sinner, that's the hurting, that's the one who rejects the gospel, that's the Christian who's strong, that's the person who's got it together, that's the person, and I don't know who that person is, right? That, that, that's, it's everyone. Because we love Jesus. And so, see, there was love in their words and talk, these extremists. Right, Peter and the Ephesian church and maybe some among us. They even had many deeds to go along with their talk. But deeds and talk are worthless, friends, if they don't have a basis in a life personally impacted by the truth. 
of who Jesus is in your life and your love for him. Yeah. So can I just say this? Before you go on talking, taking on more, right, talking more, ask yourself, does it promote my love for Christ? Does my talk and my actions lead me to love Jesus more, to draw close to him or to draw away from him? Friends, I can't tell you how many people I've seen go after an opportunity, go after a venture, go after a greater goal, go after a search for vision. And in doing so, replacing their love for Jesus. It's a sad, sad, sad story. The last point I want to leave you with here tonight is make the shift from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Got to make a shift from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Listen, Peter learned a lot about Jesus over three and a half years following him. The Ephesians knew much about Jesus over their years of study and service. But you see, head knowledge does not promote a love for Jesus. Only heart knowledge can do that. Only an experience with Jesus. Day to day, little by little. I'm not talking about this Oh, just the heavens opened up as I prayed this morning. Listen, the heavens don't open up when you see your wife in the morning and you love her. Right? It's, it's, we, we, we over-spiritualize this love of Christ and this love for Christ. It's about a genuine, sincere desire and love to know him. Philippians 3.10. I'm, re- I'm going to read this from the Amplified. Apostle Paul says this. And this. So that I may know him. I love the way the Amplified breaks it down. Because it gives us greater insight to what that means. It's experientially becoming more thoroughly acquainted with Jesus. Understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. It's growing in your awe of who Jesus is. Like, there's so many dimensions to Jesus that there's not enough days in a lifetime to run out of the ability to grow in wonder of who he is. Like, I'll give you an example. For some of us, we really had a moment today when it was just like, I belong to you. Like, like, love chose me. Like, Father chose me. Like, I'm yours. Like, there are days when I'm not even thinking about that, but you say I'm yours. That was a moment of wonder. 
That was a moment of revelation. That was a moment in genuine love. It goes on to say, and in that same, in that same way, experience the power of his resurrection. In other words, that we are raised up again, which overflows and is active in believers. You know, you didn't just come to new life. You have a new life to experience new things every day, right? And that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did. What is Paul talking about here? What Paul came to understand is this. Sharing in the suffering that Christ endured is not about physically being tormented. What he's talking about is Jesus willingly died so that we could live. He gave up his life. What he's talking about is, I want to share in that experience where I die daily so that he can live and I can know him more. You know what this teaches us, friends? You know what it reminds us of? It reminds us that head knowledge is the result of accumulated information. But heart knowledge is the result of accumulated experiences. And according to the Apostle Paul's example, knowing Jesus is about experiencing a relationship with him in such a way that we grow acquainted. We know him more and more as a person. As someone that we relate to. And it results in power. Friends, some of us want a powerful experience of God's results. But you see, that's impossible without a powerful relationship rooted in love with Jesus. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.